Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries. Welcome to episode 42, which is all about sitting through struggle. None of those words are words that I like very much, by the way. (laughs) I am just not the kind of person who does well with sitting still in general, much less sitting still through struggle. But that's actually exactly what I've experienced for the past few weeks. You see, throughout the month of July, and I've, I've written a little bit about this on the blog, ever since I turned in my manuscript for the Bossed Up book, on June 30th, which was very exciting, right on deadline, I've been feeling a little lost, a little unsure of what's next, a little not clearly directed. And that's not even struggle, I would say, right? That's like a very privileged version of struggle, of just not knowing what to do with myself next, having slayed a big goal. But there's also plenty of times when I've been striving towards a goal and it didn't work out and I didn't get that corporate speaking gig and I didn't get that renewed podcasting contract or whatever it is. When things don't go your way, you know, being still and sitting through it and paying attention to what's going on in your mind and your body in order to figure out where to head next is a real struggle for me. And I know I'm not alone, but what I have learned, and this is something I wrote a lot about on last week's blog post about the most surprising lessons I took from your excellent responses to our Bossed Up community survey, is talking it through with other people, hearing from other people about their experiences is one of the main antidotes to getting stuck in your own dang head, which is not always a very friendly place, especially when you're feeling like a failure. In today's episode, we're focusing explicitly on sitting through that struggle, on paying attention about what information you've got to work with when things aren't going your way. It's not easy to process or deal with that, but it's better to process and deal with it than to numb out, ignore what's going wrong, and have a beer, (laughs) right? Those are all options that you've got to work with. Today, we're gonna dig deep and see what does it look like, what does it feel like, and how we can all use our struggle moments and use those stumbling blocks as opportunities to learn and improve and get better through inquiry and feedback. Today's conversation was kicked off with an awesome listener-submitted career conundrum from Cassidy. Take a listen. Hey, Emily. Uh, this is Cassidy. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been listening to the podcast for a while. I had like a quick conundrum. How do you ask 
why you didn't get a position that you've applied and interviewed for. And also kind of, is that appropriate to ask? I would like to think that it's appropriate if you word it in a way that's, here's how I would like to improve and kind of get good feedback. But what's a good way to ask that question without it seeming like you're bitter or, you know, you're mad that you didn't get the job? Cassidy, that is such an excellent question and a brave one at that. To tackle today's career conundrum, I'm thrilled to be joined by my good friend, author, speaker, blogger extraordinaire, Maxie McCoy, who really specializes in helping people through the lost fog or through those moments of struggle when we aren't really sure how to move forward in a productive manner. Maxie is a writer obsessed with giving you the tools you need to believe in yourself. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Well, back at you, woman. Thank you for having me. I love your community. This listener, my God, so good. Right? So first thoughts in terms of Cassidy's conundrum. What, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Cassidy's even thinking about this, even knowing to ask for feedback and wanting that is already such an amazing place to be because, you know, getting feedback can be hard. It opens yourself up to vulnerability and you end up in a place where there's anything that could come at you from them and you don't know if it's good or bad. And also you've already been rejected from the role. So you're probably feeling a little bit more sensitive than, you know, maybe if you had gotten the job. However, you know, while I am not a recruiter and I think recruiting advice is really important here and and I'll share some from a friend of mine. I have been kind of sandwiched in my career between the women to your point that, you know, I've been help navigating a lot of their uncertainty, a lot of their doubt within the context of career being a cornerstone of their life and experts in the career field like yourself, like my friend, Jamie Pekanix, who runs a site called The Preppery and really actually had some really amazing things to think about within the context of this for Cassidy. You know, I think when you're asking for advice, the kind of basic thing to remember is that you want to give them the option to do that and be really thoughtful of their time. You know, so in whatever that response back is, it should be back to the person first and foremost, who you were communicating with. It's most likely the recruiter and the recruiter will go in between you and that person that you were interviewing with. If you're not working with a recruiter, then it's just whoever gave you the decline email and being able to respond back to them thanking them for their time, and then also giving them the option to give you feedback within the context of growth for yourself and insights for yourself. Now, something that, you know, Jamie brought up, which I think is really interesting, and it's Jamie Mechanics of the Preppery, is this can be a legal situation for employers, if they're giving you information back, that might not be the first thing that you think about, but they could be putting themselves at legal risk if they were to say something dumb, because let's be honest, all of us are humans and we're not all perfect. And they could be putting themselves in a position to get sued if they, you know, say, I want someone with higher energy and it gets interpreted like you want someone younger. Right. And so there's all these situations that happen. So you need to be able to give them the option and know that if they don't give you feedback, a lot of employers have policies that they're not going to put themselves in a position to do that. 
Let's break that down for a second because very rarely does the job seeker fully understand, in my opinion, I definitely didn't understand that that liability that right. HR folks and hiring managers put themselves in or the position they put themselves in because the discrimination, the ability to sue a company for discriminatory hiring practices hinges on that distance between the interview and the job offer. Yeah. And if you can prove that anything about your age, sexual orientation, sex, gender, gender identity, et cetera, everything covered in the, I think it's the Civil Rights Act, and it's been expanded since then. If you can prove that those factors were what lost you out on that job offer, then they're in a really tight legal situation, meaning you could sue them. (laughs) So Right, exactly. Yeah, I can see why they would keep their mouths shut. Just across the board is a policy, right? They're not keeping their mouths shut because they were discriminating. I would hope, even though it does, you know, we all know that it happens often that most cases, you know, you're not getting the job because you're being discriminated against. However, you know, a lot of them are saying no as a policy across the board and not because there's something necessarily to hide. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just a safety precaution to prevent opportunities for litigation to even emerge. Yeah, that's a good point. So how should Cassidy word it or how should anybody word it when you know, you've bid for a project, something goes south. How do you ask for feedback when you're in the face of failure? Honestly, Emily, I just had to do this this week. I got passed on something where, you know, it was unfortunate that they went another direction. And also I wanted to know why. So it's not something that you ever surpass. I think in your career, there's always going to be these moments of failure. And I think being able to ask just so you also know, maybe it had nothing to do with you, but you have that understanding that you also can move forward. And so I think with Tasty, being able to do a couple of things, first and foremost, thank them for their time, then acknowledge that, you know, you are coming from a place of growth and learning and that just simply asking, do you have any insights for me that could provide a lens onto either my interview skills or my talents and expertise as a whole that kept me from getting this job? If you know, there's anything that you're willing to provide, I would love to take that as I'm looking to grow in my career and really work for an amazing company, you know, like you and, you know, provide that compliment be acknowledging of, you know, gratitude of the time and then tell them that it's coming from a place of growth. And I think if you hit those three things, they're either going to or not, but you did the right thing. I absolutely agree. And I love that you mentioned flattery. Even just a little bit of flattery goes such a long way at showing that you're not that bitter person. Like Cassidy was saying, you want to prove that you're not bitter, pay them a compliment. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, energy comes through, right? And you can always have like, if you're worried about that piece of being bitter, because you know, you know, you're a direct emailer, or you're just unsure about how the energy is being communicated over email, have somebody read it, have a girlfriend read it, have a parent read it, you know, just have somebody look over it. And they'll be able to tell you, no, you're just in your head, you don't sound bitter at all. 
I feel personally attacked with the direct emailer mentioned there because that is my life. Do you? So I go back and I look at things. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even so much as say hi. Like, because right. you just go on the flight. I know I, I do it you know too. What? I have extremes. And then I'm like using three exclamation points. Not one, not two. It's yeah. three or like not even a greeting. <laughs> it's funny though. Emojis can help. That's for sure. I Agreed. had two bits of learning that have really helped me on this front. One is when I get bad news, which I also get rejected all the time because I'm constantly bidding Putting yourself out there. Yeah, Yeah. I'm constantly bidding companies, especially who want to bring me in to do Mm -hmm. a workshop or a bossed up kind of keynote at their conferences or for their teams. And sometimes it doesn't work out because of totally unrelated issues like budget. When I get that bad email, two tips here. One, I don't answer it right away. And I try to be a prompt email responder, but I can't, you know, you see it on your iPhone and I'm, you know, walk into a meeting and you get that little punch in the gut. And I'm like, I'm not emotionally in a place to respond in a professional way. So give it a minute, right? I always take a walk, talk to somebody, grab a coffee, relax before I write that email. And the second is an Emmy, my amazing partnerships director, who just moved on to really incredible things at her Mm. new job after two and a half years at Bostop. She used to laugh at me because she would see me over my shoulder implementing the second technique, which is write the email, then go back and add politeness in. (laughs) Because for me, the way my brain works is like, what's the point of this email? Get to the point. And then yeah. I'm like, you know what would be nice is to sound more like Take a human a being. Human. <laughs> I swear, Siri did not write this email. <laughs> Just sprinkle a little sweetness on top, a little sugar on top. And it's like basics like, hey, thank you for your consideration. Or, right. hey, I hope this email finds you well. Those are the last lines that I write in almost all of my emails. That's which, incredible. I'm going to see that now and be like, she's just trying to be polite to me. <laughs> Those yeah, were well, like, back in. <laughs> well, my biggest challenge is that the more I know somebody, the faster and more curt my emails get. Oh, I get. know. I know. Like, I do the exact same. I'm like, I read girl. things. I'm like, okay. So we just lesson learned. Even the peppiest of us <laughs> don't take it personally. It's true. I'll be emailing you. I'll be like, yo, girl, ignore these spelling mistakes. What up? Come on the don't pod. Let's chat. <laughs> And that's not how I write to my corporate clients for the record. No, but I think you're so right in just taking a step away from the energy of the situation that's going on. You know, if they're going to give you, you know, coming back to Cassidy, if they're going to give you feedback, they're going to give you feedback, whether you send it later that afternoon or the next day, it doesn't have to be that hour. So whatever you feel comfortable with and responding and asking for it, it'll still be there for you if it's going to be there. That's a good point. And it really is a charitable thing. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that ask? Like, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Have you ever, how did you handle delivering that kind of feedback? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely have been on the receiving end, you know, or the having to be the person giving the feedback. And, you know, at first I was like, there's not an exact moment coming to my mind. And one is sure. now, and it was at my early years at Lavo. I was hiring the first person that was working for me then. And we went through a long process with her and, you know, it really did come down to, I don't even remember the specifics, but it came down to two people and she wasn't the right one, but her heart, like it was, I knew that it was going to break her heart. And for me, you know, I actually ended up handling that like 
giving availability to talk, to actually talk in person, because that was important to me as someone who had spent this much time with this person. And then that didn't end up happening, but I encapsulated you know, very detailed feedback. You know, I could do that because it was hands-on and I wasn't a recruiter and it was the person working for me. But, you know, just really trying to be able to provide a lot of positive while also helping them understand what they could have done better in the interview process and in the interview process with various people. Because right. sometimes, and you know, I you, I was in this position with getting my book deal, you might have somebody advocating for you, but they can't get the rest of the team on board. And yeah, so it's also totally. knowing that you might have read that person completely right, but there were things behind the scenes that you might not be privy to that were going on. And we've all been a part of that. And I think when you ask for feedback, you may not get the whole story, but your intuition will be like, oh, okay, I'm reading between the lines here. There was something more with someone else, whether it's, you know, regardless of what it is that was at play here. Yes. I love that because I always draw a distinctive line between feedback that you can internalize and feedback that you should externalize. Like if someone's giving you feedback when you ask for this particular, in this particular situation that you don't believe will actually further your career goals that you don't feel is going to serve you. Let it, you know, shake it off, right? Like not to quote Taylor Swift or anything, but yeah, you know, roll, let that roll off of you. And then when it does resonate, when it feels like, yes, this feels true to me and it also feels helpful and real, even if it stings a little bit, work on positively internalizing it. I think you're hitting on something that's so important about feedback in general, in our lives, in our work, in interviews. You know, I was told this really early on. It just has always stuck with me that you don't have to accept every piece of feedback that comes your way because it's not all true. It is one person's view on the world and honestly, you can cherry pick feedback if it resonates with you and you feel like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I really hear it. And something about this is speaking to my own truth and growth. You'll know your body will tell you, take that on. Don't make it too personal. Cause like, you know, none of us are perfect, but then the rest of it, to your point, like what you just said, like, let it roll. I was actually, I was in a writing class last night and we were all working on various things. I've got some fiction that I'm playing around with. And we were having this conversation about how helpful it was honestly to not spend each class workshopping with 10 opinions that you don't need because right. not all of those people read my kind of yeah. work that I'm writing. It's true of so many different areas of our life. And I have to just put a little asterisk here to acknowledge that feedback comes from humans and humans are full of bias. And we live in a totally unjust world where, you know, if you're a woman of color and you're being told, well, you seemed a little angry when you were talking passionately Mm. about your last projects, that's (sighs) stuff you don't need to internalize, right? Like, there is a lot of bias in perception that, women of color run into a lot, that women of a certain age who are job transitioning run into a lot. And it's just like, at the end of the day, if you can't change who you are, and so when you pick up on other people's bias, A, call the EEOC if if you ever get feedback on that, because maybe you do have a litigation opportunity there. But B, you know, that stuff cannot slow your role. So we cannot internalize that injustice, which is hard to do while also acknowledging that it's real. I mean, it's absolutely hard to do. But I think 
you know, knowing the class, the racial, the gender systems, the patriarchy that we're all operating within, I think that actually helps being able to separate when people tell you things that are their internal biases. Totally. It's not easier to let it roll, but you can at least separate that this is them and not me. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that it's always super hard to identify when that's happening to you because you're not sure do you actually want someone with more experience or is it just because I am a woman who's 40 and looks 20? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's really yeah. hard to parse through feedback for bias, but yeah. you know, talking it through with a colleague who knows you talking it through with a trusted loved one who knows you. And then layering that on whatever you've yeah. received, you know, depending on if it falls into those buckets of, of harmful and even unhelpful, that's one thing, but you know, hopefully there is some good feedback out there. And even if it doesn't resonate with you being able to, you know, either share it to your point with people who know you, I think can, can really help. Like, actually, yeah, I've, I've seen this. Yeah. And people who share your experience are in a position to do that. Exactly. Speaking of the last time we hung out was also on the internet. It was on Instagram. We did a little Instagram live we were in a very weird spot. We were talking about the publishing process, which is actually extremely connected to the topic of feedback. Absolutely. I'm one of the most feedback oriented and vulnerable things I've ever done. So yeah, I bet you too. I'm like cracking up remembering what you said, because I had just turned in my manuscript my baby that I had worked hard on for the better part of three years. Mm -hmm. And it was in my editor's hands and it was out of my own and had this like wonderfully liberating feeling. And you were like, girl, the <laughs> hardest part of this is editing. <laughs> like brace come. yourself. <laughs> and I did, but I was also like, maybe not for you. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I didn't realize how much there was this underlying globalized anxiety like churning through my body until I got an email from my marvelous editor Colleen shout out to Colleen friend of the pod shout out to Colleen none of us do anything without a good editor (laughs) I got an email from her yesterday or the day before yesterday now and it was the first time since she's had my manuscript that she had said anything to me about the manuscript itself I remember that first email yeah It was like, I read the words which she wrote, which were very lovely and complimentary, which is the, yeah, save the edits for like like, later. Thank you for understanding me. Please fluff me up first. She knows better. (laughs) And I literally like, I almost cried because it felt like this huge weight had lifted and I didn't even realize how anxiety provoking, not getting feedback on something you've worked hard on is. Totally. And sometimes you just have to ask for it. Like, I remember that moment. Actually, my moment came in the form of a tweet when my editor was editing it. She tweeted something out that was really positive. And you better believe I told all 500 of my closest friends that my editor was loving it. Like, I just couldn't handle because I was in the same place, like that level of vulnerability. One nice comment that looking back was really nice, but I blew it into the best thing that had ever happened to me because you're just so vulnerable. But I think to your point, like not having like a space of waiting is hard. Very. It's hard. You just don't know. But I think we as humans, as women, as people have to learn to not try and think what other people are thinking. Right. 
Cause we have no idea, which is why you have to ask. And you know, one of a lesson that I learned early on in my career that I still employ with anyone, it just would depend on the situation. You know, when you're sitting with someone, maybe you're in a long-term working relationship with them. So you don't have a check-in, you know, or a review for the next six months, sure. but you are always able to ask a boss, to ask a partner, to ask anyone, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing right now? You know, and you don't have to, I think you have to balance between not being needy for feedback and constantly needing validation in order to think that you're great or to do your job. But if you are in a place of actually, I do need some feedback, ask for it, ask for it specifically, you will get it. Nobody is going to deny you feedback that somebody that you're working on. Now we've talked about all the reasons employers that you got rejected from could be in a certain sure. situation, but also knowing to ask for it. Cause I bet you, Emily, if yeah. you had emailed your editor I know. three weeks before and just said, I'm literally losing it. Like, can you just give me two like highs and lows? Yeah. And she probably would have. Right. And it's weird because I didn't even know that I needed that. So it's just a good thing to remember to ask yourself, do I need feedback right now? What's bugging me? What's uncertain? I have to say that we had Sheila Heen on. She's with the Harvard Project on Negotiation. And she wrote a great book called Thanks for the Feedback and did a whole episode. Yes, I think we should read that. It's such an amazing book. She did a whole episode. It turned into like a long metaphor about interviewing as it is dating. (laughs) But, um, but she and I have an episode of the Boss Up podcast called Getting the Feedback You Need, which goes into that mm. in great detail. So good. Everybody listen to that. I'll be listening to it too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's definitely a good one. I want to ask you as someone who I feel like is very almost soulful in managing anxiety and uncertainty. Thanks. I mean, the book title is You're Not Lost. Not so let's lost. talk about that weird in between, because you said the waiting game is so hard. The waiting in any part of life is hard, right? Like if you're waiting for a partner that you haven't met yet, if you're waiting for the next stage of life, if you're waiting for a book deal, like it's just, I actually, I was listening to a talk by Oprah this morning. Naturally. (laughs) Because I do that. Naturally. On Friday morning sometimes. (laughs) And I was just reminded that Sometimes the waiting is all that you can do if you've done everything that you can. Right. And I think that everything that you can piece is really interesting, like in the context of like Cassidy's question, for example, right? Like if you've done the best that you can, then at some point you have to be able to just turn things over and let them go. Or you have to be able to sit in your own shit. In the context of being lost and this thing that I spent, you know, a lot of years talking to women about and then writing this book. So it's going to be even more years of talking about there's so much to learn by sinking into the crap. I say sitting in your shit, but sinking into it. We're not meant to get out right away. And I think that we have been conditioned. We are seeing all of the images on this, like in this meeting, I just held up my phone, Instagram, social to want to be in someone else's life and want to be in their expression of life. And it makes all of the crap feel crappier, but our crap is the wrong turn that is leading us to the right turn. Yeah. And 
I don't think any of us, myself included, we're, we're so quick to want to jump out of that, that we don't actually learn the lessons that it has to give us. Help me understand that because I am so impatient with the sitting part. And I'm a kid who couldn't like sit through cartoons because I couldn't sit still. And I'm still spiritually that kind of a person because I'll give you an example. This month, since turning in the manuscript, I have just been out of sync. I have been adrift. I have been like, what now? I'm not sure. I'm celebrating. Am I lost? I just finished a book, but am I lost? I did this. I literally did this. I was like, I just read a book, but now am I lost? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to need your book because I was feeling until I had an action plan again, right? Because to me, it's really about, am I in a period of clarifying my vision or am Mm -hmm. I a period in executing a plan? And my comfort zone is executing a plan. But very often in our lives, maybe a couple of times a year or maybe a couple of big ones throughout the course of our lives, there is an unclear path ahead. And what's your advice for women who are struggling, like, oh God, whoa, really struggling. No, but I mean, it's all unclear for all of us, right? Like we are making the path as we take it. And I think that's what you have to remember because life isn't the outputs and it's not the outcomes and kind of what you were saying about executing a plan. Like there's actually a way better plan there for all of us if we just keep stepping, even though we don't know where the stepping is going. That's actually okay. But you know, my question to you and my question to anyone who's feeling just completely uncomfortable with that unknown and doesn't want to sit down in the crap and wants to just go, you know, a lot of times distractions are just detracting from the energy that you need to pay attention to and to feel in order to know what those steps are. And so, you know, you kind of said like your default often is to go into that execution plan. But my guess would be all of the answers for you and for anyone else right now. And I know for myself are when you don't do that. Yeah. Because when you don't, all all of the answers bubble up in the unknown. If you're they patient tell, enough to listen, right? Because And you have yeah. to listen or else you're going to be running around with your head right. cut off doing a lot of uh, half projects. Yeah. And I also feel like people like me, whether you want to call us type A's or whatever, get very good at executing someone else's dream for their career. hundred percent. And then all of a sudden you're at the top of some food chain you never wanted to be a part of. And you're like, how did I get here? And I mean, not, that's not true for everybody's experience, but sitting in the shit is the most unpleasant sounding thing. And it feels that way, but it's really yeah. your like biology or physiology sort of telling you, whoa, put on the brakes this isn't right. Like make some adjustments, experiment and keep moving forward. Like you're saying, like one step at a time is how you experiment with your vision. Cause it's never like a set thing. Well, that's the thing, right? It's so much of why we don't, I love that you bring up experimentation because a lot of the way that I talk about it is really small plans Yeah, because I just don't know where we lost course in being able to do projects and being able to do things for fun and how much information is actually given to us in those moments. I'll share a personal story. I was actually just telling my writing class this last night. I 
signed up for a writing class about six and a half years ago because I was feeling so out of sync with executing, to your point, someone else's work, all of this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I just want to write again. I've always loved writing. I'm going to sign up for a class that's a little expensive, but that's okay. I think this is right. I'm going to write about the things that give me energy, which was women's issues and career. I'm not kidding you. That choice ended up within a couple of months. I found the job that ended up being my rocket ship in women's leadership, building out global communities. What the F? Like it literally, it just was by following this, like, I'm going to do something small. Yeah. Like I just need to bring this energy of things that I care about back. And, you know, so often we don't want to do those things unless it's the end goal. It's right. like, oh, I don't want to make a movie unless I'm a Hollywood producer. Right. We do that to ourselves all the time. And that's just not how anything is built. Yeah. Every Things are built by doing something small, letting it get bigger and doing it over and over and over again. I mean, I know you know that with Boss yeah. Up, right? Like, Well, it's also something I'm really interested in studying and focusing on right now, which is fun. How powerful I mean, the pure, unadulterated pursuit of fun is fun. in the rest of your life. So yeah, that's something I've been experimenting with. I about that because... All year. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And like, did you laugh today or this week? Right. Like, what are we doing? I You're looking at my podcast studio on camera because for those listening on the podcast, Maxie and I are also recording this interview for YouTube. So if you want to see our ridiculous facial expressions that come along with this podcast, make sure to watch it there. But I'm in my jam room, girl. Brad and I have been building yeah. out a jam room because we like music and we want to play it more. So this drum kit behind me. That's fun. That's what that is, you know? And everybody's at different levels of their life of, I right. think the questions can often be like, if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable and you are so stinking passionate about it and it's going to be the thing that gets the momentum for you, do it. If it's going to like put you broke, don't do it. Don't do that. Right. I'm all about a <laughs> bridge job. Because there's way other ways to do things. And we got to remember this whole conversation started with Cassidy, who's on the job hunt. So girl, get yourself a bridge job if you need to. You know, there's a time and place to lean into the discomfort of feedback and learning. And there's a time and a place yeah. to get your bills paid. And sometimes yeah. that means babysitting, like in my case, just while I bootstrapped bossed up. <laughs> totally you know 100% the things that I have done that nobody has known that I've done like writing corporate writings to like slam money that my name is never on a byline for like people are doing a lot of dirty work to make their dreams work yeah. and I would encourage like this is a whole other topic but demystifying the way that we get to do our dream jobs especially as independent workers or business owners is always a really good conversation feedback again to have like ask those people how they get actually get it done yeah. you can ask me I'm always down to tell so last question for you then because we do have to wrap this up in a minute but how are you making writing your dream job because now we're, now we're talking yeah. about fiction girl I need to understand that transition I need to know what's going on with your career you and know, how you making it's this not work. even a transition it's not a transition <laughs> it's just me exercising creativity which you know when yeah. you were talking about fun the thing that has come up for me and it's a similar word over and over again over the past, I think, you know, two years is when I look at like my highest, happiest, most joyful moments, 
aside from being able to support women, which is my work in the world, the how of that is being creative. Like what are the ways I'm able to creatively tell stories, use content? It just, it just all comes back to creativity. And yeah, I don't know. It's been this little like angel hovering in my ear, like whispering, like make up some worlds and and some complex women to tell the stories that you want to tell. And it's literally just a hobby. Like I don't have any plan. Like, cool. If I get it published, great. I'm not trying to go be a fiction writer. I'm still... You're reminding me of Kate White who's quite good. Oh, I love Kate does it all, As right? This. Kate yeah. does her fiction and nonfiction. Like she's on something like 16 books. I know. And for those it's of you who don't wild. know, Kate at one point was the editor-in-chief at Cosmopolitan. Cosmo, yeah. And presided over its one of its periods of the biggest growth ever in its existence for quite a while. Wrote some yeah. cool career guides for women like I shouldn't be telling the you this. The Gutsy Girl Handbook just yeah. came out and is amazing. But she also is a very accomplished mystery novelist. Like, yeah. you know, how do you make that even happen? I'm you're reminding yeah. you're giving me all the Kate White vibes right now, which is very cool. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like, you know, when you come out with your like CD, we'll be saying the same thing, <laughs> you know. I think just like being able to exercise creativity yeah. is really powerful. And, you know, it just it kind of this, like the whole like on brand conversation, yeah. like yada, yada, that we all have been taught to think about. I'm like, yeah, but if you're, if you're constantly on brand, like, are you evolving? Exactly. That's those you took the words right out of my mouth. So I am so pro that. And I feel like we've spanned a very wide array of of subject matter today, but I, I, I like thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. So you said you were an open book when it came to how you made that possible. So I got to ask if you're pursuing these passions, help me understand how are you getting paid? How are you paying your rent? Yeah. I mean, my entire business is around speaking brand partnerships. Um, and that's pretty like, those are the big ones. Like I, you know, so much of my business has just been, how can I use my voice and talents to help brands and companies really speak to young professional women? And that is it now. Now, when I say I was open, I am an open book, but the was in that. I mean, in the early years of running my business, like I got rid of my apartment in San Francisco, everything that I owned, moved to Bali, which sounds really beautiful. But Emily, that was literally just because I could slam money into savings while I kept my job at Lavo part time. Yeah. And so like, that was one way I wrote, you know, all kinds of blog posts, like corporate blog posts. That was another, you know, right now, what I have just recently layered on to my work is doing audio pep talks for an app called Reflectly. It's a daily gratitude journal. And I'm really pumped about it, uh, obviously, because I love inspiration and encouragement, but also because, you know, a lot of the users are 18 to 24 year old women. And so, you know, it's, it's being able to have a direct, you know, kind of line to them also. That is so cool. And I appreciate you giving us the lowdown on that. BT dubs, there's like a whole world online. What do they call it? Is it like travel hacking? Like where you can learn about people like you who moved to Bali and live like a queen because it's the cost of living there is so low. The cost of living is so low. I mean, it's so true. Like I literally lived like a queen there and was heavy. And I've got, I've got girlfriends traveling the world right now. Some who are working, some who just saved for it. 
also just your ability to live that way. I mean, there's very real trade-offs. And, you know, for me, it was more of a utility than it was this like luxurious, like life choice. It seems like it could be both. And maybe we should do a whole episode on that because it sort of combines saving money and traveling the world. You're like, wait, how is this a thing? I gotta, I gotta dive into that further. Do I want to do this? Yeah. It's a, it is a fun conversation for sure. Well, you're not lost is Maxie McCoy's book coming out August 24th. It is beautiful. It is on point. It might be exactly what I need right now. If you at any point in time are feeling at an inflection point, who's this book really for Maxie? It's really for women who feel lost and it'll just help you return to your own power so you can take all of those small steps and figure out where you're going. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. Hi, bosses. I'm Skylar and I'm a nurse from Charlottesville, Virginia. Here is my Boss Move of the Week. I've always had big city dreams and especially about living in New York City. I've kind of been obsessed with the city since I was in seventh grade or so. And I've been at my current job as a nurse for about two and a half years, and I'm feeling a little stuck. I finally quit procrastinating on my resume and made sure that my resume looked exactly how I wanted it, that my resume and my cover letter were very tailored to the position that I was applying for, and I sent in the application online. Two weeks later, I got an email while I was on vacation asking to set up a phone interview, so I scheduled it for later that day, and it must have gone really well because the nurse recruiter told me that while she couldn't hire me for the job I originally applied for, there were three even better ones that she would like me to interview for in person. I flew to New York and interviewed with the nurse recruiter and three different nurse managers for three separate positions. They were all more amazing and more specific to what I'm doing than the original one I applied for ever was. They emailed me the very next day asking for five references, which I'm hoping is a really good sign. And I'm supposed to get a decision sometime this week. So keep your fingers crossed for me, bosses. Yes, boss, we are cheering you on and thanking you so much for sharing your story. You really never know who you're inspiring when you share your come up. So call into the podcast hotline right now to share your boss moves moment of the week. You can give me a ring at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. That number is always in the show notes and you can use that to leave me a voicemail anytime you want, sharing a boss move or asking a career conundrum for us to explore on the podcast next. So I want to know what stood out to you the most on today's episode. Are you currently muddling your way through the murky waters of uncertainty or not quite getting what you're going for and trying to figure out how to move forward from here? How are you going to learn to sit through that struggle in a productive way moving forward? What about Maxie's advice really resonated the most with you? I want to hear about it. So tweet at me. DM me, blow up my Instagram, or get on my Facebook page at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org on all of the things. And of course, as always, you can weigh in in the discussion in the comment section on our blog at bossedup.org slash episode 42 and in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. I truly cannot wait to hear what you think. Thanks as always for tuning in and for sharing today's episode with the folks in your life who you know could really use it. It makes all the difference in the world and you never know whose day you're brightening when you share what is working for you and what's resonating most with you. 
So until next time, let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup. 